so glad that you're joining us on our Grace Journey podcast. At Grace Church, we are all about knowing God and reflecting His way. I hope this sermon will do just that by feeding your mind with the knowledge of God and engaging your heart to live a life reflecting His grace and truth. Over the last couple weeks, Father Jonathan and I have talked to you about connections within the church how within the church those connections are like family, and how our connections make us stronger. Well, today I want to talk to you about connections again, but this time about connections within the Big C Church, the church across denominations and across the world. To start with, though, I want to tell you about something I've noticed in myself, and I'm wondering if you've seen the same thing in yourself. It's almost a pattern, and it goes something like this. I look at the news, maybe on TV, maybe on my computer, wherever, and there's a story about some sort of tragedy. It could be a natural disaster, like Hurricane Dorian, or maybe it was something caused by humans, a war, a mass shooting. You know what I mean. And the news program or website will show all sorts of photos and videos and interviews from the suffering on the ground. You hear things like, we heard these loud popping noises and someone yelled, he's got a gun. Or, the people here have been devastated. Houses have been simply swept away. They've been without electricity for weeks now. And you hear these things over and over. I see and I hear these things and I feel terrible for these people, though maybe not terrible enough because after a while, I kind of start to get numb to it. There's just been so much. And then after a few days of it, I find myself avoiding the news. If I stop and ask myself why, I realize I just don't want to know anymore. There is so much suffering out And to sit there and hear about it, but feel like it is too far away for me to do anything about it, it just makes me feel helpless, powerless. Why sit there and feel terrible when I can't even do anything anyway? So I bury my head in the sand and go on with my life until finally that feeling wears off and then I go back to watching the news or looking at it online, and the cycle starts all over again. You know, there are a lot of wonderful, glorious, good things in this world. But we don't hear about those a lot of times. There's so much suffering and pain, and sometimes it feels like that is all we hear about. And different people respond to that in different ways. Maybe some of you are like me. When we hit that point, We feel that pain for people, but also feel powerless. And we just want to avoid thinking about it. So we change the channel or go to Facebook instead. On the other hand, some of us respond by saying, gee, that's bad. If they were closer to me, I could do something. I hope the people near them help and move on with our day. Or maybe... Some of us dive deep into these stories, and we look up every report, 
and listen to every newscast about it. Because we feel like at least that way, we can know about it and in some measure bear witness to that pain. Maybe some of us say, I just can't care about everybody, so I'm only going to care about those near me. There are a lot of different ways we respond to human suffering, especially when it's far away. But if we're honest to, with ourselves, none of these ways of reacting are satisfying. None of them feel right. So the question we need to ask ourselves, instead of saying, how is it that I naturally respond? What is my tendency? We need to ask ourselves, how does God want me to respond to human suffering? What am I called to do? To answer that question today, I want us to look at our readings. Let's start with the reading from Genesis. The story of Cain and Abel is fascinating to me, not just because of the story itself, but because of how we talk about it, or maybe don't talk about it. I don't know about you, but I've noticed I don't often hear people telling this story. When people talk about sin in the Bible, they'll talk about the people of Israel, or they'll talk about David and Bathsheba. I mean, good grief, they'll even talk about the Levite and his concubine. And if you haven't read that story, look it up, but brace yourself, it's a little jarring. Anyway, realizing we don't talk about Cain and Abel got me wondering why we don't tell this story. Why are we more comfortable talking about David and Bathsheba, this harrowing saga of sin upon sin that sets David's whole family on a path of destruction and death? Why are we more comfortable with that than the story of Cain and Abel, a short, unelaborated story of one man killing his brother? Why? Maybe because it's a lot easier identify with Cain than it is with David. After all, David is a king. Some of us may be in positions of authority, but do we have any monarchs in our midst this morning? Any kings or queens? I didn't think so. So we can read the story of David and say, gosh, that's terrible. Thank the Lord. I am not the sort of person who goes out on my roof and watches women bathe. Thank the Lord I am not the sort of person who doesn't go to war with the whole army of my country, which I command. Thank the Lord I am not the sort of person who sends a letter to my general telling him to get a man killed on the battlefield so that I can marry his wife. But we can all identify with the jealous brother. We can all identify with wanting to escape the guilt of our own sins or the responsibility in response to suffering. We can all think of a time when we wanted to say, am I my brother's keeper? And in fact, maybe it's that question. That question that is the biggest reason we avoid this story. When we read Cain's response to God, we cannot help but think of our own excuses for not caring for not recognizing and acknowledging our connectedness, our attempt to get out of the responsibility to care. Because we do have a responsibility to care. We are connected. The correct answer to the question, 
am I my brother's keeper? Is yes. Yes, I am my brother's keeper. You are your brother's keeper. And it's not just us as individuals. The church as a whole, the big C church, has a responsibility to care. The church has a God-given responsibility to do something. Why? Because we're connected. You know, I heard of someone who found out that their sister had gotten into trouble, a friend of mine. And when this person found out, she was really upset, started crying and stuff, and she turned to someone who was nearby, a um, friend who was a counselor. And she turned to this counselor and was talking about it and explaining what she had just found out. And this counselor said, why do you feel so responsible? She was saying, you know, what should I do? And she said, she's my sister. When we hear about suffering of Christians far away, that should be our response. We are connected. When Christians far away have problems, they are still our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are our brother's keeper. But it's not just Christians. What about when non-Christians have problems? Well, aren't we called to be like Christ? who constantly sought and saved the least, the last, and the lost, who, while we were still sinners, died for us. Aren't we his hands and his feet, his body here on earth? Are we our brother's keeper? Yes. Are we our brother's keeper even when he lives 10,000 miles away? Yes. Absolutely yes. We have an unavoidable, inescapable, God-given responsibility to care. So how do we carry it out? How do we fulfill that responsibility? Well, there are different ways. The first and most basic response is described in our reading from 1 Timothy this morning. Paul says, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. Now what you have to understand is, when Paul tells Timothy to pray for everyone, he means pray for everyone. He directly tells him to pray for people in authority, sure. Now, almost all of them, mind you, weren't Christian and would even have been against Christianity. That's why we still have in our prayers of the people, prayers for those in leadership. But when he says everyone, Paul doesn't just mean all the people in power. He means everyone. So when you hear about human suffering, even thousands and thousands of miles away, always pray. Always pray. Pray for the people. Pray for the people affected, for the people helping. And if there are people causing the suffering, pray for them too. Pray that they would come to recognize how wrong their actions are and repent. Pray that they would come to know the Lord. We should always respond with prayer. But sometimes we are called to do other things as well. So when you're praying for the people suffering, ask God if there's anything you can do to help. And then look for opportunities. The truth is, you can't physically, financially, spiritually, or emotionally respond to every single instance of human suffering. So pray. And when you pray, pray for God to guide you to which ones you are called to respond to and then explore how you can do that. 
So all of you are called to pray. Most of you are called to do something like make a donation or do some local volunteer work. And that is good. That is a godly response. That is you as a part of the church taking part in the church's responsibility to care and to alleviate suffering. But some of you may be called to do more. Some of you may be called to become deeply involved in responding to human suffering. I'll tell you the story of one such situation from our own church. As many of you know, Deacon Mary is very involved in the fight against human trafficking, modern slavery. But she hasn't always been. Some years back, she went to a conference that wasn't even about that, and someone handed her a brochure about human trafficking, just a brochure. But when she read that brochure, she felt like God was calling her to a deeper, bigger response to this specific issue. After prayer and discernment, talking with Father Jonathan, she put her life here on hold, packed up her things, uprooted, and moved to the Philippines for a year to work with a ministry that was combating human trafficking there. And since then, she has continued to be involved in the International Justice Mission, or IJM, whose primary focus is fighting that modern-day slavery. In fact, today is Freedom Sunday, the Sunday when we recognize, pray for, and support IJM in their efforts. So today, I want you to take up your part in the church's responsibility to care and to respond. First, I want you to stay for the coffee hour after the service. There will be snacks, I promise. And I want you to write thank you notes to the men and women who are doing the difficult but essential work of IJM in the field. We don't always get to know their names. We don't always get to see their pictures. But they're out there, and it's a daunting task. So this is our chance to thank them, to support them, to send them some encouragement, to recognize that we are connected. And then I want you to go home, and I want you to pray about what else God might be calling you to do. Grace Church, we can't do everything. We can't alleviate every need. We can't respond to every pain. And to be honest, we aren't called to save the world. Jesus does that. But at the same time, we have a responsibility. We can't just hide our head in the sand. If God were to come to us and say, Grace, the blood of your brothers and sisters around the world is crying out to me from the ground, would we say, you see, God hears the thing? Or would we say, we hear it too, Lord, and we, as our brother's keeper, we are doing everything we can to respond? The Bible tells us that Jesus is the new Adam, that where Adam brought sin and death into the world, Jesus brought salvation and life. If Jesus is the new Adam, then we're the new Cain and Abel. Will we live out the legacy of Adam's sin, like the first Cain and Abel? Or will we live in the legacy of Christ's righteousness? Will we embrace our call to be our brother's keeper? When we embrace that call, we are living into God's kingdom. We are living into God's work of restoration, renewal, and recreation that began with the birth of Jesus and will reach completion when he comes again. When we embrace the church's responsibility to care, 
we show the world that God is a God of all people, that we are our brother's keeper, that God himself cares for human suffering, that no one suffers alone because we're connected. Through caring, through acting in that care, we share the good news that God himself chose to suffer with us in order to save us. And that there is hope in the name of Jesus Christ, through whom all suffering of this world will someday be Amen. Thanks again for listening. To find out more about what's going on here at Grace Church, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, our website, graceocala.org, or, of course, on our campus here in sunny Ocala, Florida.